0: Okay. Hello. Hello. Um, I hope this is where it is. We're good. Uh, welcome back to my other podcast. This is episode two. Uh, if there's a lot of background noise, it's because I'm on my parents' back porch. I'm coming to you July 6th, uh, after the holiday weekend. Um, I know that everybody in the world spent so much money on fireworks this weekend. I think it's because people were home. Like, You know, with quarantine and all that, and so people haven't been spending money. Like my family, uh, we had several vacations planned for this summer uh, and several trips. And when we canceled those, we obviously got our money back. So then, you know, what are we going to spend that money on? People have been going to Home Depot. (laughs) People have been redoing their entire backyards. So um, I am home uh, for Fourth of July and on my parents' back porch. Um, And I just wanted to, you know, record another episode because I've got the time and the I've just been, you know, thinking a lot. So that's what this is. Um, There's no real format to this. There's no I I don't really even have notes. So um, if I ramble, we're just going to go with it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, this this episode, episode you know, what are we calling these? This episode is called this or that. And it's something I've been thinking about and seeing. Um, I actually have been taking the last few days off of social media. Um, and I, I made a few posts, but those were like, I scheduled them and then I just left them alone, you know? So, um, I deleted the apps from my phone and have just kind of, tried my best to take a step back because i don't know if you know this i'm sure you do social media uh sucks like just not fun not (laughs) not super fun to be on or around or involved with um because there's just there's no i mean i can make a post about anything I could say like, Jesus loves you. And someone would comment and be like, okay, but let's talk about that love. You know, like, what does that actually mean? And you're like, dude, like chill. (laughs) So I have, I have actually been taking a step back and, and this is one of the reasons, uh, that I have, uh, is, is what I'm going to talk about today. This or that this, um, I've been seeing an increase in the words, I guess there's actually a way to look it up, right. To look up how many you know, times this, these words have been used in articles or whatever, but uh, I've been seeing a lot of the word divisive. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of the word divided um, and polarization. Polarization is such a a, a hot word right now. Um, It's kind of like whenever everything started in uncertainty, you know, uncertain times or unprecedented was kind of, you know, taken over. Um, I see polarization a lot. And I think we're going to see polarization even more as we move toward November um, with this election cycle. And I want to talk kind of broadly about the way I'm seeing it in culture and then specifically in American culture. Um, and then kind of break that down to where it's showing up in church culture and then how that uh, is playing into my own spiritual life. Now, Please understand nothing I'm saying is like a political statement or like an indictment of the church or whatever. I am I really just wanted a spot to kind of flesh this out and think about it and see if anybody else relates to this um and kind of some of the conclusions that I've come to um and some of the you know what this has looked like in my own prayer life. So please know that my heart is not to be polarizing. <laughs> the worst The worst. All right. So let's get into it. Um, I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, um, it is the idea that you are either this or that. Uh, We see it very commonly in politics right now where you are either a Republican or a Democrat. You are either, I mean, you'll even see Trump tweet it. He'll say, you know, 96% approval rating in the Republican Party. That means 4% are rhinos. So you're either like 100% with him or 100% against him, you know, uh, and then you'll see this, you know, with you're either um, 100% behind the police or you are for dismantling and getting rid of all uh, law and order, right? There, there's the, the, the extremes that people want to push to and you can't express any kind of idea Right, like if you if you if you post it on social media right now, or even brought up in conversation at family dinners, sometimes it was like, "Man, I just really love oranges. I just love," and they're like, "Oh, really? So you just hate all other fruits? Really? You think we should just get away from all other fruits and only sell oranges?" And you're like, "I didn't, I didn't say that, but that's that's what is happening, (laughs) you know." Uh, And I mean, you'll see it with um, you're either pro gun or you are just. You're wanting to take all the guns away. You're wanting to come and be a government that just yeah, and it's just like there's so much. There's extreme versus extreme. And and then that creeps into church culture of you're either you're either in or out, right? You are either saved or unsaved, you're either going. To some magical place called heaven, or you are gonna burn forever in hell. You are either living in God's presence, or you are against God and you are evil. Um, and it, you see the the extremes. And this is this is kind of what I was taught growing up. And I don't think it's like I'm not saying it's the fault of my church or or whatever. I think it's it's really like a Christian cultural thing. Is that um, either you are sold out for Jesus, or you are. Against the mission of God and you are rejecting Christ's teaching and you are actively it's almost like you believe that you're either sold out for Jesus or you're persecuting Christians, right? There's there's those those extremes and this black or white thinking has come into the church not come into it's been in the church for a long, 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 long time way before even Jesus, you know. So it's not something that's like corrupting in. I'm saying that this is obvious in our society and then obvious in our church culture. And then um, why that is detrimental to spiritual formation, right? Because the whole thing is based in a certainty. Uh, it is based in black and white. Like it's either this or that. And this is absolute. And the other is absolute as well. Right. So it's this desire and it's a human desire. It's like a psychological need for certainty. It's the reason that our brains try to identify patterns. Like if you, um, your brain is constantly taking in stimuli, like millions of stimuli, um, you you know, your, your eyes are seeing and reflecting light and your brain is, is, uh, Processing that as well as sound and smell and taking in all of the things around you and your, your brain naturally tries to identify patterns um, and threats. Uh, Because that's part of survival is like if something's coming towards you, your brain can probably figure out the trajectory of that. And it's like, am I going to get hit with that? It's why you flinch whenever I've been watching some TikTok videos, right? And a lot of them will be like, Oh, here's this punchline coming up. And then it switches to like this kid throwing a baseball at the screen. And even though it's in your phone. You still flinch like those videos. There were the first one, the most famous one was that car driving up a hillside, and then this like like uh, person in a mask screams on the screen. You know, uh, and even though it's in a screen, your brain identifies a like a pattern, a trajectory, uh, and so you flinch, you react as if it's going to hit you because that's your brain responding to that pattern. It's identified, right? So this is something that our brains naturally do: is search for pattern and certainty, um, and what we know for sure. Right. And, um, the reason that becomes something that hinders our spiritual formation or spiritual growth, um, is that, uh, so much of following Jesus requires us to let go of that certainty, to embrace Um, I don't want to say faith is the opposite of certainty, but to embrace an unknown of what's happening tomorrow. Um, Does that make sense? Like there's, it it almost, it it always leads to a sense of pride of like, okay, I have figured it out. I know for certain that this is what this is. Um, And where that shows up in like, you know, again, the church culture is, uh, we know for sure that this is what Christians do. So if someone's doing the, something different, then that means that they are not Christian, right? So you are starting to draw lines of that person's out based on this or that person's in based on this, right? And so uh, we can start to like make our beliefs like these little bricks. And we're just like, this is this is my belief. This is my belief, right? And we, we stack them up and that's that. Um, and, and it always is going to lead to a pride, a certainty, a, I figured it out. I have learned that. Um, I understand that. And that's where that begins to creep into your spiritual formation is a, this or that far. Like I'm either totally sold out for Jesus, or I am just deprived of his presence. I am either masterful at prayer or I totally suck at this and God hates me. Now I am either a, I am either a patient loving person or when I fail and mess up or I, I, um, display impatience or I am unloving. That means that I am not that. So I must be the other thing. Does that make sense? Like, the, if the ideal Christian is these things, then as soon as we show a glimpse of not being that, which we do every day, then we begin to go, oh, I am the opposite of that. I, I must be the other thing. Does that make sense? I, I'm going to trust that you're tracking with me. I think you are. Um, and, and, and largely, it's, it's, it's kind of taught that way on purpose. Um, I used it as a marketing tool. Whenever I was growing my Instagram, if, if you've been following me for a while, since like 2018, um, I used it when I had like 3,000 followers. And uh, I said that I hated Arby's, you know, that like the beef place, the we've got the beef. Um, and so I decided to do a whole thing where I was like, yeah, we do got beef, you know, um, and decided to say I hate Arby's. And so what this... Does what this polarization does, what this dichotomy does, this you know, black and white, you know, only two options does is it forces us, if we're even a little bit on one air quotes, you can't see my fingers doing the air quotes thing side, if we're on one side, if we're even a little bit leaning that way, then when we encounter somebody or something that opposes that, we are forced to go further apart. Like we're forced to lean heavier on our side because in our mind, there are only two options, right? So I did this with Arby's, uh, where I just said like, I hate Arby's. I think that we should burn down all the buildings. You know, I don't want to hurt any employees, but also like they shouldn't be working there. So we should just burn down their buildings and they should get different jobs because that place sucks so bad. Now, do I actually think that I don't care? No. Um, (laughs) but what was fun was the joke of like man i am i am taking such an extreme stance on this that even if you kind of liked arby's like if you just like you go there once a year like you maybe like if you're driving it's an option on your road trip like you see an arby's and mcdonald's next to each other and you're like well i mean i, I think i'd just rather go to arby's right like even if it's like slightly in the realm of possibility for you. What my extreme stance does is it pushes you to take an extreme stance of like, no, what? You're crazy. You're in like, no, you're insane. This is, this is no Arby's is great. Right. And so now all of a sudden your, um, your lukewarmness to use a Bible term, uh, toward Arby's becomes a passion. Does that make sense? Like your, um, your slight approval, your 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 interest in Arby's becomes a passion for Arby's, right? And I think that political powers and uh, a lot of church influences use that principle that if you are slightly passionate about something, if I introduce the opposition. It will push you to become more passionate about it. Uh, they use that to their advantage all the time. All the time, right? Um, because it 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 pushes toward a passionate response. Um, and in a in a two party system, in a two-dimensional world, like you know, if 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 we can keep people thinking that there are only two options. Then it's much easier to rally passion for the option that I want to see uh, grow and take precedent, right? So, are you seeing where I'm going? Um, so, the reason that, that that is, is one, that's it feels great to be right. Um, you know, like I said, the brain's response to feeling certain is definitely a human desire, right? It feels great to be right. Um, And to be certain and to know, because being uncertain is anxiety. Being uncertain feels chaotic. Being uncertain feels out of order. Now, the reason now, not the reason, but one of the things that, that comes from that is, um, in spiritual formation is we associate God with order, right? So then uncertainty, we associate with disorder. Therefore we go, Oh, well that can't coexist. And if I'm following Jesus, I have to be certain about everything in every detail because my chaotic and disordered, uh, you know, thoughts or beliefs would be incongruent with, uh, following Jesus. And that pushes us to like, take stances and to figure stuff out. Does that make sense? So, um, and I'm just, I'm kind of honestly just thinking this out right now. So I might contradict myself. I'm trying to figure that out right now, but <laughs> we're just flowing. We're going. Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> but, um, it's not that I'm saying God is uncertain. I'm saying that following Jesus requires us to give up our certainty. um, and replace that with a humility that, hey, maybe I don't have the perspective that God does. Maybe I don't know everything that the creator of all things knows. Um, Maybe following Jesus requires me to give up my certainty uh, and replace that with a trust that uh, I will follow the ways that he's taught me, I will live like he lived. I will love like he loved. I will live alongside him and with him and become more like him. And in that way, I'm going to trust that uh, tomorrow um, I will become more like him and, and that will lead to a better life rather than me trying to figure out certainty now so that I can make myself a better life tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I was just tracking that. Um, (laughs) But you see where where if I'm going to cling to my beliefs, if I'm going to cling to my certainty, that would get in the way of me following Jesus because following Jesus requires me to change my mind about things. That was Jesus' whole ministry. Right when we look at his time on Earth, his whole ministry was looking at the people who studied the Bible, right? The Pharisees who were well versed in the Torah, who mem- memorized it, they knew it backwards and forwards. They knew the laws, they followed the laws. They, uh, they, you know, their whole life was devoted to doing the things and believing the right things. Their life was devoted to certainty. And what is Jesus' ministry over and over and over? But looking at the Pharisees or looking at, um that culture and saying, you have heard it this way, but I say this, you have been certain about this. You have claimed certainty in this area. You have made your stance here. You have decided that this is what's true, but I say this, right? I challenge that, right? So, Even though certainty feels good, it becomes detrimental to our faith because uh, we can begin to um, idolize belief, knowledge, information, right? Like uh, facts is a word that is thrown around so much right now. Of just look at the facts, look at the facts, or just show me the facts, I'll make up my own mind, right? We idolize our understanding, we idolize our beliefs, we idolize our certainty, um, and replace that for the presence of God, right? Like we were like, we go, This is what Christians do, this is what following Jesus looks like, got it, nailed it, what's next, you know? And we replace the presence of God, the movement of the spirit, with our own belief in our inflexible way of thinking. Right. And, and, and it's so interesting to me too, because it doesn't work with evangelism. It doesn't work with, um, with getting other people. Cause, cause I mean, then it becomes about getting other people to your side, right? It becomes about convincing, you know, rather than a move of the spirit, rather than compassion, rather than, Um, conviction becomes about convincing over conviction. Come on, let's go to church. It becomes about being right over, uh, becoming righteous through Jesus. Um, it becomes about, you know, I believe a, b, and c, you believe these things. Now I just have to convince you to believe a, b, and c, and then you'll be a Christian too. But the logic is flawed there because the whole thing of your certainty is you're saying, I will never waver on these things. I will never change my mind about these things, uh, but I am engaging in a conversation and hoping that the other person will. It's not humility. It's pride. Pride is inherently unloving, right? So that's the biggest reason that this is detrimental to our spiritual growth. That's the reason it's detrimental to communities of faith Is that if we can reduce people to extremes, uh, then we don't have to love people. Does that make sense? Like we don't have to like, I don't have to get to know you or understand you better, or because like I've already categorized that. Like I already understand your belief. Like I get it. Okay, you're extreme. And it's like, well, that person really wasn't. (laughs) But you're you're sure leaning into it, aren't you? You know? But the reason that that one of the things that that I keep saying, the reason I'm, I'm, it's like my um, you know, it's like if I said like a lot, the reason it's not, you know, I'll work on that. So, <laughs> um, another way that that creeps into church culture is that it's so much easier to teach. Um, which this is going to be a whole other episode as well. It's easier to teach an extreme than it is to have a nuanced conversation, especially from a platform, especially if you're trying to communicate to the masses. Yeah, like if you're trying to communicate to a thousand people on a weekend, or like you know thousands of people online, you're trying to you're trying to paint with a broad stroke because you're trying to make it um, relevant to. So many people, I do this. I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not, oh, there's a gigantic bug. All right. I'm fine. Wow. That's a, that's huge. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But you're trying to paint with a broad stroke because you're trying to make it relevant to most people. So you act, you then resort to extremes because that's easier than a nuanced conversation. So it's easier to tell as a youth pastor, it's easier to tell students, you know, sex is evil and bad until you're married, right? Then it is to talk about what that looks like in relationship. And especially when you're, when you're, you can do that over coffee with one person, you can have a more nuanced conversation, but it's hard to do that from a platform. And because most of our church community uh, and our church uh, interactions are platform based, then we do get reduced to extremes. Yeah. So it's easier to teach that way, and it's also easier to follow. It's it's easier if I just go, okay, I can demonize these things or I can vilify these people. So if I just don't hang out with people who do this, then I can become more righteous. Does that make sense? Do you see how that how that permeates and that 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 leaks into you know um, blocking you from following Jesus? Do you see how that uh, taints your theology? So uh, it's easier to follow. It's always going to lead to pride. Your life becomes about convincing other people. And you're reduced to what you believe rather than the fruit of the spirit in your life. You're reduced to... It's almost like... um, It's kind of like if your Instagram bio, you just put like, here's the things I believe. You know, or like every post you make on social media or every interaction you have with a person, you just talk about like, I believe these things. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> but that doesn't speak to that's that misses out on character that misses out on who you are that misses out on, you know, it, it'd be like if if you asked me what my brother was like and I was like, well, he's got brown hair. He's got a bigger nose than me because we have different dads. Uh, he is, you know, 20 he's not 20 yet he's 19 years old uh you know his voice is deeper and um he you know it's just all like look that didn't tell me anything about Caden that didn't tell me anything about him that just told me you know here's some facts about him (laughs) you know and I think that that's we get reduced to like here's what I believe here's what I know um rather than here's what here's who I'm becoming in Jesus. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. That makes sense to me. I'm trying to make that make sense in my words. So when we're reduced to our belief, then it becomes, we can really start to think, okay, well, you know, my salvation depends on being certain about these beliefs. Oh, that's another thing. Oh, let's dive into that real quick. We got a few more minutes here. My, my relationship with Jesus then depends on me maintaining that certainty, right? Which means that I'm not allowed to doubt or question. And then I'm also not allowed to be in conversation with people who doubt or question, right? Because if we're, if we're living in those extremes, if we're living in that polarized kind of um, view of things, then if I'm certain about this, then I can't ever question it, doubt it, or look at it differently because then I risk losing my relationship with Jesus because my relationship with Jesus is based on my belief. Oh, come on. Right? So we're not, we're not able to change our minds it's like, I'm not able to eat Arby's anymore. I can never pull into an Arby's, even if I just want to like, you know, no one can ever find out that I try Arby's because like, I'll get gift cards still. And people are like, Oh, here's a $5 gift card to Arby's, you know, hope you don't spend it, you know, cause it's like a joke, but I've dug my heels so far in on one issue that I can never, ever allow myself to question it or to think differently or change my mind on it because my identity is wrapped up in being the person who hates Arby's. My identity is wrapped up in being the person who believes these things and uh, stands and takes a stand. You know, the person who argues those things. Now I can never, ever allow myself to look at it differently or allow the spirit of God to change my mind on it. I'm blocking it. It's, do you see the pride there? It's when I'm coming to the presence of God and saying, God, I submit myself to you except for that belief. God, would you open my eyes to what you have for me, except in in regards to that? Because I've already decided what I believe about that. I've already walked that path. I've already made my decision. I know better now. Yeah. And I get stuck in that. Oh, I get sucked into that. And I just, it makes me angry. makes me bitter. It makes me vilify the people who disagree. You know, it makes me look at people who think differently and go, oh, you're wrong and I'm right. And it feels good to be right. And it feels good that you're wrong because at least I know where I stand and I know where you stand. And it's a comparison and a pride game, man. And I guess I'm putting this out here because, you know, the first part of, you know, me growing through this has been recognizing it. And part of recognizing it is not just like, oh, I know that happens, but like actively spotting where it comes up in my life. And in that moment, identifying it and go, oh, that's, that's that. I see that. That's what that is. I can identify that right now I'm having a reaction because I feel uncertain. Uncertain. I feel uncertain. I feel anxious. I feel like I, and and I feel like that's, I'm sitting here looking at the world right now. And one of the reasons it took away from social media was because there's so much uncertainty and anxiety circling everything in American culture right now. We don't know when we're going to reopen. We don't know when things are going to go back to quote unquote normal. We don't know who's going to win in November. We don't know, you know, we don't know what's happening with the virus at all. There's so much uncertainty. And I think that it's, 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 it's producing an anxiety where when you're uncertain about one thing, you want to be certain about something. So you just start clinging to and standing for and leaning into beliefs. But I think that the ministry of Jesus is meeting us in that uncertainty. And that's a, a powerful place for us to embrace humility, to step into service of other people and to to say, God, I don't know what's next. I'm not certain. I'm not certain. And so that's my prayer this week. I hope that's, you know, some, I, I hope this all made sense. If you're still listening, great. Thank you for letting me ramble. Um, but it's going to kick me off here in a second, cause I can only record for 30 minutes, but, um, thanks for, for being here. I hope that You allow yourself to question, you allow yourself to look at things differently. And I I pray that God would, um, would begin to move in this time of not knowing and that we would be okay with that because we follow the one who does know. So thanks for listening to my other podcast. We'll see you again sometime later.